This is The World in Brief from The Economist. Our top stories. Two cities in China said they would ease COVID-19 restrictions amid the continuing protests against the country's stringent measures. Chongqing in central China will loosen quarantine protocols, while Guangzhou, a southern city that saw clashes between protesters and police on Tuesday, also announced easing. Earlier, authorities lifted a lockdown on Zhengzhou, home to the world's biggest iPhone factory. But restrictions keep pinching producers. China's manufacturing sector contracted further in November. Meanwhile, security officials promised to combat hostile forces they blame for the unrest. Jiang Zemin, China's former president, died from leukemia at the age of 96. Mr. Jiang became leader of the Chinese Communist Party in 1989 in the aftermath of the massacre around Tiananmen Square. He served until 2002, overseeing China's opening up to the West and the handover of Hong Kong from British to Chinese rule. America's House of Representatives passed legislation forcing railway workers to accept a new contract over objections from some of their unions, averting the risk of a strike. The Senate is expected to follow suit. Separately, Democrats in the lower chamber elected Hakeem Jeffries as their leader to replace Nancy Pelosi, who has held the post for 19 years. He will captain a Democratic minority starting next year. NATO promised to send more arms to Ukraine as America committed $53 million to repair energy infrastructure destroyed by Russian missiles in the country. The alliance reiterated its support for Ukrainian membership at a meeting for foreign ministers in Romania, but outlined no timeline for this. Meanwhile, Ukrainian officials reported heavy Russian shelling in Kherson, in the south, and difficult fighting further east in Luhansk and Kharkiv. The European Commission recommended freezing some 7.5 billion euro, 7.8 billion dollars, of EU funds to Hungary, because of concerns about the rule of law. It said that Hungary had failed to address 17 reforms negotiated over the summer before a deadline earlier this month. The move is a blow to Hungary's Prime Minister, Viktor Orban, amid the country's precarious economic situation. Russia and China carried out joint air patrols over the Sea of Japan and East China Sea causing South Korea to launch jets to accompany eight warplanes that entered its air defense area. The patrols consisted of strategic warplanes, including the Tupolev Tu-95 bombers, known as the Bear, and marked the first time the countries had landed military aircraft in each other's airfields, according to Russia's defense ministry. Football World Cup America defeated Iran to secure a place in the knockout round. Some Iranians celebrated the loss because they believed their team did not do enough to support ongoing anti-government protests. England, the Netherlands, and Senegal also booked their spots in the next stage. Qatar became the first host country 
to lose all three group games. And fact of the day. $170 billion. The worldwide revenues of the games industry this year. Five times the global box office. And now here's a deeper look at the day ahead. A tense trip to China for a top Eurocrat. Charles Michel, the president of the European Council, will meet Xi Jinping, China's president in Beijing, on Thursday. After years of pandemic-imposed isolation, China is keen to reset its chilly relationship with Europe. Germany's Chancellor, Olaf Scholz, was invited to visit in November, and France's president, Emmanuel Macron, is expected early next year. But the timing for Mr. Michel, who chairs summits of EU leaders, is especially tricky. In the past week, demonstrations against draconian COVID restrictions have gripped China. Police are intimidating and detaining protesters. Mr. Michel is under pressure to comment, but must choose his words carefully. China needs little excuse to blame foreign forces for inciting domestic unrest. Ukraine will also be on the agenda. Mr. Michel and other European leaders want Mr. Xi to put pressure on Russia to end its invasion. The chances of success seem slim, though. Chinese officials recently canceled a video address by Mr. Michel to a trade expo in Shanghai when they learned he would be criticizing the war. Spain sets its sights on startups. Spain is not the easiest place to do business. It has good infrastructure and little petty corruption. But its legal traditions, in which it can seem as if everything not expressly permitted is forbidden, and unwieldy bureaucracy, can make starting and growing a company harder than it should be. The government hopes that a new law will change that, at least for startups. The bill, which should pass through the lower house of parliament on Thursday, aims to lighten the load for founders by offering lower taxes, more favorable tax treatment for stock options, and other benefits for companies that are less than five years old and that generate less than 10 million euro, 10 million dollars in annual revenue. The law should make life easier for digital nomads who fancy a move to Spain too. Non-EU traditionals will be able to apply for a simplified visa and pay a lower rate of tax while working remotely from the country, provided that their paying clients are mainly based abroad. A challenge to India's opposition in Gujarat On Thursday, voters head to the polls to elect a local government in Gujarat, a state of 70 million people in western India. The result is practically guaranteed. The Bhartiya Janta Party, which also rules the country, has won the last six elections in Gujarat. Still, the party is not taking any chances. Narendra Modi, the BJP Prime Minister who rose to national prominence as Gujarat's leader, has attended dozens of rallies in the run-up to the election. But watch the battle for second place. That spot has usually gone to Congress, India's hapless National Opposition Party. But this time it faces competition from the Am Admi Party, a newish populist group. 
The AAP recently beat the BJP and Congress in elections in Punjab, a northern state. In Gujarat, it is running on a similar campaign, promising free education and electricity. Another strong showing would establish the AAP as a national force, and perhaps the strongest challenger to the BJP ahead of India's next general election in 2024. The Soaring Global Cost of Living New York and Singapore are the world's most expensive cities, according to the latest Worldwide Cost of Living survey from EIU, The Economist's sister company. The survey, which compares the prices of more than 200 products and services in 173 cities, finds that living costs are rising at their fastest clip for at least 20 years. Prices in major cities are up an average of 8.1% in local currency terms over the past year. Russia's war in Ukraine is one cause, leading to higher food and energy prices. Supply chain problems caused by COVID-19 restrictions in China are another. Though six of the top ten cities that have moved the most up the rankings are in America, the two biggest climbers are Russian. Western sanctions have driven up prices such that St. Petersburg has risen 70 places since 2021, while Moscow has shot up 88 slots to 37th place. A Beckman self-portrait goes under the hammer. Last year, 80% of international art sales took place in America, Britain, China, Hong Kong, or Taiwan. Germany, by contrast, does not have a reputation as an art sales hotspot. But one lot on Thursday at Griesebach, one of the leading auction houses in Berlin, will command attention around the world. Among the pieces going under the hammer is Selbstbiedness Glebrosa, Self-Portrait Yellow-Pink, by Max Beckmann, a German expressionist. The painting is expected to go for between 20 million euro to 30 million euro, 21 million dollars to 31 million dollars, which would make it the priciest piece ever sold at auction in Germany. Beckman painted the self-portrait as a gift to his wife, Matilda, in 1943, after the pair fled Nazi Germany. Beckman had been declared a cultural Bolshevik by the regime. It had been privately owned until now. Painted in unusually bright colors, it offers a glimpse of the artist's strong spirit in the face of war and exile. Daily Quiz Our baristas will serve you a new question each day this week. On Friday, your challenge is to give us all five answers and, as important, tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 1700 GMT on Friday to quiz espresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent on Saturday. Thursday. Which San Francisco park hosted a Beatles concert in 1966, as well as a Paul McCartney gig, the last event at the site, in 2014? Wednesday. Which condiment comes in honey and whole grain varieties? 
Finally, here's the quote of the day from Vijaya Lakshmi Pandit. Freedom is not for the timid. That's the world in brief from The Economist, available three times every day of the week. You can also hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, on your podcast app. And subscribers to The Economist have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app to start listening.